Hi, and welcome to The Optimist Chronicles, your emotional safe space to explore and be who you are and feel all your feelings. I'm your host, Anna Maria Green, clinical therapist, emotional wellness coach, and soul-led optimist, here to bring you all the topics, conversations, and feels to help you become more of yourself and see life in a more positive view. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back. So I am really excited. This is episode eight. We are moving and grooving. We're into fall. I don't know how everyone has been feeling. You know, fall is always a super, I don't know, nostalgic seasonal transition for me. I don't know if it's because, you know, you're coming off from summer, you're tan and warm and like just spent time out in the the sunshine, lots of vitamin D, or if it's just kind of the dynamic of my household growing up in the fall, the fall was, I loved the summer because I love swimming I love the sunshine and it's my birthday, but the fall is definitely my second favorite season. If not like right tied up there with summer because fall for me was just, it's always been this exciting time. Um, my brothers would start football and my mom would decorate for the fall season, lots of pumpkins and harvest things. But more importantly, she made my favorite dessert, which is apple cake. And I actually make it now. She gave me the recipe and it was just, we'd come from school and there would be spaghetti and there'd be apple cake in the oven. And it just was like this crisp energy and we would go and spend our evenings at um, the football field. And it was just such a great time. And then transitioning even to like high school, the fall time was there was fall sports and you got to come to the school early kind of before the school year started um, and just like hang out and just enjoy your sport. And even though like two a days kind of (laughs) was a lot, but it was great. And then in college, it was the same thing. I got to go up early for the fall semester. Um, for some, I was on the leadership team for a couple different clubs, and I love. And I was also an orientation counselor, and I loved fall. I loved moving in early. I loved just like it was awesome. And there was just this easier energy than I always felt that it was in like the springtime when you return from Christmas. So I still, and I still get that energy now where I'm just like, okay, like fresh start. It feels crisp. It feels clean. It feels, you know, like harvesting all of the hard work that you put in through the other parts of the year. So, well, happy fall. And I'm so excited that we get to connect, um, this season. And in this way today, I'm really excited because I did my first like interview interview. I know I did that thing with my pop up uh, or I did, I did have an interview with my grandfather in the, about in July or August. And a lot of you really loved that episode. I've gotten great feedback. And even though it didn't turn out the way I thought it was because he didn't want his voice to be on there and he wanted some things to be a little bit more anonymous, but you guys really, really found the other perspective and the questions that I asked and how I frame different things to be helpful. And so I'm really excited to share with you my first interview and you're going to be able to hear our conversations back and forth. And I'm so excited also because she is an individual who has been such a mentor to me 
as I've been moving more and more into the business space, uh, as opposed to just like a practitioner. And she's really like, she's been inspirational to me even before she um, was my coach, where she just, her energy and her messages and her lessons and what she brings forth to the world is just so raw and beautiful and authentic. And I really, it really resonates with me. And I, I really just enjoy talking and connecting with her. And you'll hear that in the, in the conversation. So as she, as a little background about her is that we, I actually connected with her first by one of my other mentors, Nikki Novo. She went through the soul teacher program, which is the program I'm actually going through right now. And I followed her on Instagram cause I was like, Oh, her content looks really fun and uplifting. And I'm just curious about this kind of stuff. And I just started gradually interacting with her. Like, I really liked this, like this is this and sharing some things. And then I had the opportunity to work for her as a coach and our time together was so transformative. She really helped me get through some blocks and come into my own power. And I'm really excited because this interview really brings that same energy that she brought forth during my coaching into, into these lessons and tips for you guys. And so to be able to share that support, that love, that just like connection that she has with her clients in an interview has just been so exciting for me. Like I was buzzing after we got off the phone call. And so I'm really excited. And just as a little intro for you guys. So her, her name is Chelsea. I'm sorry that I didn't (laughs) mention this earlier. So her name is Chelsea. Chelsea Jewell is an intuitive and karmic astrologer and a spiritual advisor who works with conscious leaders who are reawakening to their soul power and memory using astrology charts as a portal into communication with spirit guides and the Akashic records. Chelsea helps her clients heal karmic patterns, embody their soul's deepest intentions and live their lives according to their unique energy and intuition. Chelsea's work and expertise has been featured in bustle romper, wee wee girl and more. And as somebody who has personally experienced her coaching, it is so insightful and helps you really face yourself. I was, um, as much as I help other people all the time, it's a lot harder when you're trying to do that, that work. And sometimes you just need someone to help shed light on the darker shadowy sides of ourselves that we are afraid to fear to face. And she's able to do that in such a way that is so like, supportive and loving and just it really feels like home and like family so i'm excited to share this interview with you guys and hear what you guys think what it was like for you and how it helped you so enjoy get a pen and paper for to write down some of the tips that she shares and just relax convenient but Yes, I will. I was just like, yeah, I guess I can like summarize what you said, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how have you been? I've been good. How about you? You know, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been a very interesting time. You were definitely right about soul teacher being like, so like fast forward into everything where I'm just like, oh my gosh. Also, I will say like, 
I feel like since July, August, it's been very energetically intense. I've talked to a lot of people who have been feeling that. And I yeah. just am sort of like, when is this going to slow down and ease up? Because it's been a yeah. lot. But oh my how gosh, has, yeah. Wait, you were in last Soul Teacher, right? No, I'm in this one, this current cohort. Oh, so we started in August. It's good. It's really good. I um, discovered that I have a really like big knack for um chakra readings and like yeah. being able to pull a lot of and <laughs> being able to pull a lot of like very specific information um uh, where sometimes I feel a little bit like crazy um and uh and it's been really good like I've, I've been reading like one person a day for the last couple weeks That's and amazing yeah thank you thank you so now I'm gonna try to like also push myself to try the healings a little bit more as well yeah. uh, but the healings have definitely been way more energetically like kind of draining on me so yeah. I've been readings are a little easier <laughs> yeah I was the same way but that's so cool yay okay so um the so this the kind of like theme or topic area of um today's session was just kind of like or not today's session. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I really wanted to bring you on here because you are, have such a like wonderful, vibrant life where you really like, can adapt to change and kind of what being able to accept who you are and what you what your soul needs as opposed to like the status quo. And I know that a lot of people that I work with really struggle with taking that leap of faith. You know, we worked together for a, like a couple months and it was very, very transformational for me. So I, I am, I would love for you to share, you know, how did you go get into coaching um, and what do you really like about it? Yeah, my, well, I actually worked in corporate marketing for okay. 10 plus years and okay. back in like 2018 is when I had my quote, quote, spiritual awakening, okay. um, not planning to get into coaching or anything. Although like people, my friends had always come to me for advice and mm -hmm. had thought I'd make a good therapist or something like that. <laughs> but, um, I really got into all of my like metaphysical stuff that I had been sort of like in the spiritual closet about like astrology, psychic readings. Mm -hmm. I really went through like a dark night of the soul after my job, my dream job at Coca-Cola ended because I okay. was getting to travel the world. I was at the top of my career. I kind of felt like I peaked and I was like, okay, what's next after this? And that experience was so great, but it wasn't as fulfilling like on a soul level as I thought it would be so it just yeah. led me to like ask all of these questions of who am I I started getting all of these readings done and that all just kind of cascaded into me deciding like purpose-wise I wanted to help people okay. in the same way I had been helped through that whole transition yeah. that's what okay. led me in coaching astrology giving readings things mm -hmm. like that that's awesome um, yeah. So you said, you know, that it wasn't as fulfilling for your soul. And that kind of leads me into like the, one of the first questions I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be an optimist to you really have your soul fulfilled? You know? Yeah. To me, I, I actually like, I like that you segued into that because I think being an optimist is about, well, I think it's a choice a lot of times of choosing to look at the things that are going well, the things that you're mm -hmm. grateful for. Um, even in the times when you're not feeling super fulfilled or when things seem to be going all wrong or there's something missing, mm -hmm. being an optimist is 
being able to look at what's going well and being able to, I think, look towards the future with hope of like, for me, that was like, okay, this whole career I've built in corporate marketing, I felt like I just had the peak experience. It still wasn't actually what I thought it was going to give me on a soul level. Um, Being an optimist for me in that capacity was really about saying, okay, I mean, there were lots of times I was laying on my floor having a existential crisis. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Also like, I think there was like this deep faith and hope that there was something better out there. Whereas like being the opposite of an optimist would have been, I think, resigning myself to that corporate life, even though it had proven that it was not working for me. Yeah. Kind of just being like, oh, you know, this is as good as it's going to get. So I might as well just be appreciative of this. Okay. Okay. So then what kind of, um, my next, my, like my follow-up question was like, what are the obstacles that you faced internally and externally as you started to like move towards this new path and ultimately like taking that leap of faith into this, this lifestyle that you've created now? Well, I think probably a lot more internal obstacles than even external ones. And it's all of those things that we all have coaches and therapists and stuff Mm -hmm. for. It's all of those voices of like, well, who are you to do this? Mm -hmm. Um, It's all of those voices that are like, also, I remember going through this period of just confusion of like, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, okay, if it's not this, if it's not corporate marketing, what am I passionate about? enough that like I would start my own business for or like is that the thing there were so I think it was actually the internal obstacles was more about like there were so many different voices and options that I wasn't sure what to listen to even within myself Mm -hmm. and that's where the like intuition development ended up not only helping me but it really helped me find my path and I think my advice for anyone who feels that way about anything is like to just keep following that little thread of like the tug on your heart. Like Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in one of my corporate jobs after Coke and I would get through my work by promising myself a reward of getting to read an article about like a new moon or like some sort of mystical stuff after. And I started to realize I was like, if this is like the reward stuff that I get that I love, like maybe this is leading to something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. I, I forget the, what was the second part of your question? Did I um, it, it was, yeah, I think you, you answered it. So it was really like, what were the obstacles that you faced internally, oh, externally, as you started moving towards and like taking the, these leaps of faith? One more thing I'd say externally, obviously there's like all of the legitimate concerns of like money, security, yes. yeah. blah, blah, blah. But the biggest other external concern in any transition I've gone through has been um, the voices of other people around me. And one time I heard Glennon Doyle, the author talking on a podcast, and she said something that really resonated with me that it's less about like the voice of the haters that are trying to bring you down who like aren't close to you because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you can be like, whatever. Yeah. I'm not listening to that. It's more like the quiet concern from the people you love that really yeah. gets you because you know that they're coming from a good, well-intentioned yeah. place. Yeah. But those are often like the hardest external um, challenges for me because I know they're coming from a good place, but yeah. also 
that quiet concern tends to speak and mirror to me my shadow of my own fears. And so it's very easy to want to believe it. Yeah. Um, but finding like the inner voice, strength, courage to kind of trust yourself above that and realize that it is just, they're just reflecting to you your own fears and concerns was, has been a very big um, learning for me. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, like with you, you saying like, there's lots these, all these voices that are kind of like going through your head that you've heard over the years. And that's one of the things that I work on with clients. A lot of times are really negative voices. Like you can't do that. Who are you to do that? This won't work are all voices that we've heard somewhere in some place that we have some type of emotional connection with. And so how did you kind of separate yourself from these voices? I know that some people have a really hard time figuring out it's like, what is me and what is my actual fear or that intuitive fear versus what is the things that I have learned? Yeah. Well, astrology is one of my main modalities now of how Mm -hmm. I like speak to spirit and channel. And that actually like learning about myself, my -hmm. true self, my soul self through my astrology chart was one of the biggest tools to do that, to figure out what was true, what was conditioning. Because every time I would learn something about my chart and put the pieces together. I'd be like, oh yeah, that is true. That is me. And it felt like almost like these mini soul retrievals coming back into place to remind me who I really am. Um, What's been helping me a lot lately as well has been really like just getting out of my head completely and getting into my body. I've been learning a lot more about just like a lot of times those voices that are especially the more negative ones are Mm -hmm. coming from those like old trauma responses and they feel this feeling of fear and tension in the body. Um, When I can just like get out of talking in my head in general and just breathe and kind of let it all go and let my body feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to then discern either what to do next or to wait until something comes next or like what to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So what is kind of your process for making your body feel safe? It has, um, I mean, it's still an evolving process, mm-hmm. but it's definitely, I think breathing intentionally okay. is the yeah. biggest thing. It's like so it's simple, but, um, I've learned this through books. I've learned this through my own plant medicine experiences of just like, I, ha- I have this deep, you know, as an intuitive, as, um, a smart person as all of these things that a lot of us are and trained to be in our society. I want to figure things out. And I have this deep innate desire to know what's mm-hmm. going on and what will yeah. happen. Um, but when I let myself just drop all of that and just focus on breathing or like getting connected to the earth, like putting my hands or feet on the earth, those things help me like relax at a nervous system level. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually the same way where like breathing just kind of helps me like, okay, like let's just ground, not overwhelm ourselves with spiraling thoughts. It's great. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I like focusing on the movement of breathing as I, a lot of times I struggle with the keeping just like a blank mind. So I'm like, if I just focus on just the simple thing, right. then it's okay. Yeah, you uh, kind of like assign your brain to just focus on the breathing so it can't go off in all these other spaces. Yes, ab- absolutely. <laughs> so my next question, 
what, what major changes did you make for yourself to have the life that you wanted? And like, and, and kind of with the piece that we were just talking about of like surrendering and, and wanting to know all the information, how did you adapt to, or allow yourself the patience to let life reveal itself? Cause when we are facing changes, a lot of times people are panicky. We're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I need to know the answers right now in order to take that leap of faith. Right. And like to protect ourselves. I know I Mm -hmm. get that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the first thing, especially in starting my business was I think at first I kept waiting for something to happen. Like I kept, Mm -hmm. I decided at one point, like I wanted to start my business and someone I had worked with as a psychic had told me like, you're going to be giving psychic readings, intuitive Mm -hmm. readings, blah, blah, blah. And I kept waiting for like something to turn on and to feel confident about it. Um, And so the first thing I think was letting it unfold, like you said, and also taking the pressure off of it. And that okay. for me was like saying, okay, if this never actually happens, mm-hmm. if I never actually get to do intuitive readings and I never actually feel confident of doing this work, that's okay. And it was just okay. a lot of permission of giving myself, telling myself it would be okay if the opposite of what I wanted What's going to happen. Yeah. And so okay. that allowed me, like, especially in my intuitive development to start to kind of like practice and put myself out there a bit more without so much pressure of like, okay, I know the end result says like, according to this other psychic, I'm going to be able to do this, but it's just not feeling like it's working yet. I'm going to let that go and just like try and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing too, that really helped me was I did, I think I, started to really ask myself, like, what would make me feel safe or safer to take this leap? And so for me, that looked like before I started my business, um, I was living in a really nice high rise apartment in Midtown Atlanta. And it looked like getting out of that and moving back home with my mom. Um, Okay. It was like, there was some sacrifice too, but it made me feel, and I know like not everyone can do things like that, but I think just asking myself what I really needed to feel safe and then following through with that, even though it meant having some sacrifice and making some decisions yeah, ended up giving me the space to feel like, okay, if I leave my corporate job and start a business and it like doesn't pick up or doesn't go well, I'm not going to be faced with thousands of dollars in rent and utilities and all this that I have to scramble for. Yeah. It takes the pressure off on a whole nother level. Yeah. And there must've been like a lot of ego, like to face with you know, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I can, I know how even my own ego comes up and stuff where it's like, you can't do that because this is independence. And this is what being an adult looks like yeah. and having to really balance that. Try to Yeah. And even the ego on the other side, like, I think taking the pressure off is like the biggest key. And mm-hmm. like you said, like the ego, even when I was telling myself, like, okay, if even if I don't end up kind of living up to this potential of giving intuitive readings that I want to do, like, it'll be okay. I'm still okay. Yeah. And that was another kind of ego death as well. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those are, and those are hard for people to like, even get to that place where they're like the ego death happens. And, um, and if they usually, it, you, they usually are very surprised by how like intense it is. Yeah. Um, and it'll go out. I always tell people, I'm like, your ego will go out swinging. Like 
I've had people who's, and even myself are like, the ego will use like TV shows that we've gotten really into. And it's like, remember what happened to this person on the TV show as like evidence that the fear is more important than like the desire or where you actually want to go. Yeah, totally. Um, So then the next question was kind of like, how has self-acceptance and self-love changed for you or evolved since you have had those ego deaths, since you've started this process? Good question. I think like when I first started this whole journey of just being on a spiritual journey and then starting my business, all of this, Mm -hmm. my concept of self-love was really like, I didn't really know what it was. I thought Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like self-care. Like we all talk about like, okay, I need a massage or I need a bubble bath or I need whatever. And that is a big part of it is like learning to listen to my body and Mm -hmm. like my needs. But what I've discovered since then is I think the harder part of self-love that we aren't like, we don't talk about as much is loving yourself in those lower, lowest moments of weakness of quote, quote, failure of like that to me of telling myself, like, it'll be okay. Even if this doesn't work out. And even if this doesn't happen, like I'll still love myself. That's self-love. Or like, um, even if, um, I don't know, like you do hit rock bottom in some regard or you have an emotional breakdown or whatever, like self-love is choosing to love, like the messiest, most human, most, yeah, uh, like previously rejected parts of yourself. And yeah, that sounds like a really nice soundbite, but that's been a journey for me to learn over like the course of the past few years. It's, and it's been a very deep, impactful lesson for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and it also like, in a way it sounds like essentially you're parenting yourself, which not even from like, you know, a lot of people talk about reparenting ourselves when we've had a a complex or complicated relationship with their parents, but there's even a level of like having a a great support system and still needing to also show up the way that we want parents to show up, like loving us, no matter what happens, you know, what, no matter what, you know, we do or how we choose to take life that, that I love you, no matter what, like we can be uncomfortable. Um, so what is that, what does that look like for you to, to see when you're in those moments, like you're kind of hitting a rock bottom, so to speak, but to love yourself. Cause I know a lot of people will be like, well, how do I do that when I'm kind of in the midst, the mid, the middle of it? Yeah. Well, again, I think I've learned like, that's a really good time to get out of my head. Okay. My tendency, and it's also like, for me, a lot of it is just about noticing my tendencies. Um, mm-hmm. and making conscious choices from there. So like my tendency when something goes wrong or I'm at a rock bottom or whatever, um, or things aren't going as planned, my tendency, I'm a Scorpio rising. So mm-hmm. I tend to overanalyze myself and make mm-hmm. meaning out of things, even when it's not helpful or supportive of me. Yeah. So, and then I try and like fix things. So okay. I'll give you an example, like this past summer in my business, things really slowed down and things were like, I just didn't have a lot of new people coming in for readings or clients. Mm -hmm. And my tendency is to like take action and try and Mm -hmm. fix it by like marketing or doing a ton of things to try and get new business. And I really like, I definitely could have done that, but I noticed that was like 
a shadow tendency to really avoid feeling my feelings. And so what I did instead was, I mean, I continued with as much as possible of my social media, email Mm -hmm. stuff, all the things, but the process for me of that self-love was really letting myself sit and be with my feelings and not even like try and put words to them or not try and like be my own therapist or coach myself out of them of like, well, why is this here? Why is this coming up? Like, what is this tied to? Where's this going? But really just like feel on, an yeah. on a more emotional and like um, physical felt level. Yeah. Felt like a lot of like, I think I was really like releasing layers of built up emotions that yeah. have been in my body in my life for years. Um, but that self-love looked like holding myself and being with myself in that without needing to try and explain it or fix it or yeah or understand it yeah or understand it yeah 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 that's a really big lesson that even like as a therapist I have a hard time (laughs) understanding it's just like and I I tell people it all the time and it's just like feelings are just meant to be felt we don't necessarily have to understand them because one of our human tendencies is just like, we want to understand everything, break everything down and so that we can like fix the problem, but that your emotional, not even healing, but just like your life is a, is a journey. It's not about like this emotional destination where a lot of people are like, I can't wait till I'm healed. And then I'll never have any like problems with anxiety or I'll never have breakdowns again. And I'm never going to feel this way again. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, no, that's, <laughs> that's a part of life. So that's a, it, I understand that it's a hard thing to grasp and yeah. apply. and I mean I do think there's a point where like if you are someone who has suppressed a lot of your emotions throughout your life for yeah. whatever reason um there is a point where like you almost have a backlog of things or at least I felt this way to kind yeah. of go through and feel and clear for the yeah. parts of you that couldn't feel them at the time um and then from there hopefully once you've kind of cleared the backlog it's more about like having the tools to move through it as it comes up instead of like keeping like keeping it all in for a year and then having and then having a breakdown yeah (laughs) yes absolutely yeah yeah well I always tell people I'm like whenever you're like this emotion is bad I was like let's just try to reframe it like a lot of people hate anxiety they're like anxiety was it is what it's what's wrong with me I don't like if I just could not feel anxious anymore then I could like live a life and I always tell them I'm like anxiety is actually a really big tool and if you know how to communicate with it it's kind of the key that you need to get to the place where you're you're not going to feel anxious all of the time um the the way is is through it not around it or trying to like push it to the side (laughs) true 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 so you, you're a business owner and you also are you a nomad, so to speak, like you travel and, and live in different places. So tell me about that lifestyle and kind of what, how did you know that that was what the lifestyle that was best for you was? Well, it's funny because actually before I even decided I wanted to start my own business, I just knew I wanted to travel. That was sort of okay. like the threat that was pulling me even before starting a business. And that was okay. actually the and I moved out of my apartment and moved home was to save money um, for a travel sabbatical, basically. Okay. And then as soon as I moved home, COVID hit and happened. Okay. And that was like its own different awakening that was like, I need to do something more fulfilling and help people yeah. in my life. But I did decide the two kind of converged of like the travel lifestyle kind of led me into my business. And I decided if I'm going to start a business, 
I want to be able to do everything virtually so that I can travel and have freedom to yeah. move around whenever I want. And yeah, I've just always loved travel. I mean, I don't think I'll travel at this pace forever, but yeah. um, I love seeing new places, meeting new people. And I think there's, I don't know, some sort of like activation I get from different places that almost feels yeah. tied to like past lives or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, with meeting like new people and being in new places, you know, many people struggle with change and kind of like losing their identity when they move to a new place, because there's that like wanting acceptance, wanting connection. How have you either dealt with that? Um, or like, how do you stay rooted in your identity when you're going all of these new places? Yeah, that's been a really big um, kind of like experiment for me, especially this year traveling so much. Yeah. And um, I mean, I consider myself an introvert. I'm like right on the border between okay. introvert and extrovert, but I definitely recharge my energy by being alone. So a lot of what that like grounding and centering myself has looked like has been just giving my per- myself permission to say no to okay. things. Okay. And to spend time by myself and to like okay. not spend every moment like maximizing my travel. Like I, there are sometimes when I go to a place, especially a place that has like a lot to do and see, like as in Mexico city, for example, um, mm-hmm. earlier this year, and there's just so much to do and see there. And I found, I would like feel guilty a lot of times if there were times when I just needed to stay in and chill or read yeah. or cry or whatever um but that has been like the biggest permission slip to myself of just like I get to do what I want when I want I'm here for like a whole month which Mm -hmm. is another like part of my travel I've been traveling in most most places this year for about a month or so at a time so I have time to do the things I want but um I have to give myself the space to like recharge do the things we're just talking about of like feeling my feelings and I think it really come down to um learning to not abandon myself whether that's to like go sign up for something that like my body is like I really cannot do this right now or it's just in conversation with a bunch of people I just met the tendency to like people please and just yeah agree with people or say things you know that I'm not actually like comfortable with or agreeing with has been a really big lesson. And that again, has just been like me tuning more into my body and going yeah. inward before um, making decisions or speaking or agreeing with someone. Okay. Okay. And what is it like? So you being an introvert, what is it like making connections with people in these new places? Um, sometimes it's overwhelming and overstimulating. Okay. Um, I'm also like, I consider myself a highly sensitive person. So I get overstimulated pretty easily, especially okay. like more intuitive work I do. There's a lot you're taking in. Yeah. So that has been another part of this sort of self-discovery aspect of myself is just really noticing what that feels like to me to mm-hmm. notice when I'm feeling overstimulated. It often to me comes up as I start to feel like disinterested in the conversation or disconnected or, um, aggravated or annoyed even that's like my view of like I need to go back to my space and have some time to like 
de-stress, maybe like discharge of doing breath work or something like that. Um, but in the end, like I love meeting all of these new people. Um, the one other thing I think I've really learned has been, <laughs> I am not meant to like get along at the same level of depth and intimacy with everyone and like letting okay. that be okay. I think before okay. I used to want everyone to like me and want to be everyone's best friend or resource for everyone. And I've really started to learn through this year of travel this year yeah. that like, I can appreciate something about everyone, but like, I don't have to connect at such a level of depth with every single person. And that giving myself that permission has also been very freeing for me. Yeah. Was that, um, so what kind of brought about like identifying that obstacle and also kind of like accepting and, and saying, you know, this is okay. It is okay to not be liked by everyone. It is okay to not be everyone's favorite person. Yeah. Well, a lot of the trips I've done this year have been on like co-working okay. trips. So it's like a month long organized by another company. And mm-hmm. usually there's like 20 to 30 people in the group. So it's nice because okay. you have a built-in community yeah. of people to work with. Um, and with that, like, I remember on one of my more recent trips this year, um, we had a group of, I think like 22 ish people. And it was, I made my intention for that month to be self intimacy and not necessarily like in a physical way, just like not abandoning yourself to people, please. And all of these things. Yeah. And I remember being in multiple like group settings, either with the full group or smaller pieces of the group and realizing like, I really connect strongly with this person and this person, this, I almost like, I guess, kind of put it into rings or labels of people like Mm -hmm. this person, I feel comfortable having this sort of outer level conversation with. And as it got closer to the inner circles, like those were my people that I really wanted to spend time with and connect with. Yeah. And so I mean, I don't like labels and I don't like judgment, but Mm -hmm. there was a certain level of that that I think I had to do for myself to just be like, okay, I'm just recognizing like these people have deeper connections to me than these people. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how, after you went through that process, what have you noticed about your connection to people, your relationships after saying like, it's okay for me to have this level of kind of judgment, you know, cause a lot of times in society we're like, oh, being judgmental and being, you know, a certain way is, is bad. Like not liking somebody just because you don't vibe with them is, you know, rude for, especially for women, there's that extra pressure. Well, I do think there is the difference between judgment and discernment. And I think okay. that for me was a lot of discernment for myself of just like, yeah. Okay. There are some people that, first of all, I know I trigger a lot of people in broader conversations because not everyone wants to have super deep, intense spiritual conversations all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's my kind of jam. Yeah. And I'm so, learning that lesson too. <laughs> I mean, that was a big part of that lesson as well of how I learned that was like, this is what I naturally want to talk about, like aliens and astrology and God, <laughs> and whatever all the time. And some people just want to talk about the weather and shopping. And like, I think that was that part of that level of discernment of like, this is where that person's at. I can meet them there, but I'm not going to try and pull them into like the depth of my inner circle that I want to have these deeper conversations with. Yeah. Um, I feel like judgment would have been like a little bit more of an attitude of like, this person is 
bad or like this person yeah. isn't as involved as me because of that. Yeah. Um, Putting a hierarchy. Course, right. Between, which of yeah. course sneaks in sometimes because we're human, but not like letting myself act on that. So yeah. Yeah. That discernment, um, like giving myself to have that discernment. And it was really kind of almost like a boundary setting and like um, protection process for me of just learning, like not everyone gets to have unlimited unfiltered access to me and every part of me. And yeah, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. How do you, how can you tell whether somebody is, how do you know whether or not it, this is a connection that you want to pursue? What I have found with working with people is like, they're like, well, I, you don't know until you're already in it. And then all of a sudden, like they struggle with like, how do I separate from that person? Cause I, I took too long to figure it out. So what are kind of your first early stages of having that discern discernment? Yeah, for me, it's so energetic. Um, it's just sort of like, again, tuning into mm-hmm my body and how the conversation is flowing. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. the same way with clients too. Like I, like I am here on your podcast and I feel like I could talk to you for hours. And like, that's a sign. Like if we just keep talking, like the (laughs) time isn't even noticed Um, versus there's definitely like, I think as I have come more and more into myself and given myself more permission to like be who I am and talk about like be this intense person who talks about these deep things and like that kind of stuff there are some people that just you can tell like don't want to go there and that's okay um but when it comes to like dating for example I'll say this is one of the reasons why I personally for myself am Mm -hmm. really not a fan of online dating because it's so much harder to get a sense of that energy and that connection with a person until you're like in person. And I'm not saying online dating is bad or it doesn't work. It's just for me as someone who's very energetically sensitive and like attuned to those different levels of connections I have with people, it's overwhelming, confusing, and doesn't make a lot of sense when it's all placed online. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So have, and have you, since like we're talking about dating a little bit, have you found that it has been easier to date now Um, Or was there like a lot of ego death around like dating in this new, you know, like soul led lifestyle than before? I know a lot of people have fears of like, will people accept me? I even have like, I even have fears, you know. (laughs) I, uh, to be completely honest, I feel like I'm in that sort of relationship dating ego death right now. So yeah. And I think a lot of it for me comes from um, this fear of, being quote, quote, too picky because okay. I've always, yeah. but I, yeah. I'm seeing it now. Like I'm kind of just reframing my past, um, mm-hmm. and reframing like what I, who I'm pulled towards now. Mm-hmm. Um, not as that I'm too picky, but like, I am a very good, especially when I can be in a conversation or in a setting with someone, I'm a very good, um, I can tell just like when, like we've just been talking about, like when my energy is vibing with someone Yeah. and in the past, I think that quiet concern from others and that like judgment internally has come up as like, you're being too picky to just give this person a chance when really like my body and my soul is telling me like, you can't, like, this isn't going farther than it is right now. So I think a lot of this um, has been 
a lesson in self-trust for me too. Just trusting that like, I do know when there's yeah. a connection um, or when it can develop further and like my body, my soul tells me and I can trust that. Yeah. What are, for those of uh, those people listening who haven't necessarily like gone down the, the, um, the pathway of like spiritual intuition, what are some physical signs from like our, your body that you notice when something isn't meant for you? Hmm. When something isn't meant for you? Yeah. Like either some, you have conversation isn't a person isn't vibing or just like something in general in life isn't really aligned. So yeah. Some of the cues from my body have, it's just tension. Like okay. I recognize, I'll realize all of a sudden, like, oh, my shoulders are really high. My stomach is clenched. Okay. Um, my legs often tense up as if like, I'm ready to like run away. Okay. And it's just not noticing those things. And sometimes like those things come up out of old trauma responses and it's not necessarily about the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that's, those are some of the physical cues, but, okay. um, I think too, then that feeds this kind of looping anxiety yeah. in my mind. And that's okay. one of the is like when I start getting really like into a place of I know for me when I start trying to really figure things out quote quote and um there's like it feels just like thoughts pinging back and forth and like well what if it's this what if like the phrase what if is a really big yeah sign and trigger to me of like okay we're getting into this sort of spiral again whether yeah. it's from like being out of alignment in something or with someone or being in a sort of trauma response. Those are yeah. like my sort of cues to myself. That's super interesting because, um, so I, I talk about the anxiety languages, um, and stuff. And so you just described like the controller anxiety language where like, you need to figure, have all the information. So you think of like, well, what if this, and what if that, and like coming up with stuff and anxiety, like the way that I frame it is like, whenever you start to notice your anxiety speaking to you in that language, it means something in your environment is not making your soul feel safe or is yes. not making you feel safe. Cause mine is when I notice myself talking a lot about, well, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to like, and I'm really like focusing on like these big long-term goals or like I talk mm-hmm. about work as my, instead of, you know, like, oh yeah, I've done this. And, and this is what I want to do as opposed to, it's kind of like a shield. Um, (laughs) so that's what like my, cause I have the overachiever as my primary. And so it was really funny. You were talking about, I was like, oh, that's, that's the controller anxiety language. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Overachiever would probably be my secondary one then too, but I definitely think, yeah, the control one is it's that, um, like need to have certainty about something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. And it can just really make like, it's essentially, um, this fear of like create uh, instability in life or not being able to have any type of security. So you just take in as much information um, and it kind of shows it up in two different ways where there's like the indecis, it turns into indecisiveness because there's so many different things that you're like, I can't make a decision. So somebody else should just make the decision or we're like, you struggle with like delegating or things like that. So it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. I, I, I know I can't wait that. to read I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. No. It's so pretty. Yeah. There's just, there. I could talk all day about the anxiety languages and just like, yeah. it's, it's great. 
what has been the hardest part about living your dreams? A lot of people, <laughs> like you talked about with the corporate that you hit this spot and you, or you hit this mark and you were like, what else? You know, and a lot of people have that. And I think because a lot of people have experienced that there's this fear of like, well, what if I follow my dreams and it's not, you know, and then I gave up all this other stuff, you know, for something that equally wasn't as fulfilling, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I love that question. And I think, um, that has been the biggest challenge has been like Mm -hmm. realizing that all of my external dreams and like this external lifestyle I wanted to live is amazing, yeah. but it doesn't solve all of my problems. Like (laughs) it's kind of like, especially this is so apt for me because I am traveling everywhere, but like, it's like saying that's like, wherever you go, there you are. And (laughs) these external, um, like dreams are yeah amazing and I don't want to discount like I have gotten so much from them but I think there's always this sort of like mindset that's like once I have this or once I get there like Mm -hmm. I'll finally be at peace and be happy and it's really been so much more for me of a spiral of like simultaneous inward healing and transformation matched with the external like lifestyle growth and transformation as well but it's I think the hardest part of like living my dreams has been realizing that like it doesn't solve everything yeah and you know especially for someone like me who is a seeker Mm -hmm. and probably like a lot of your clients and people who listen to your podcast are like seekers to always better themselves and seek truth and um, discovery. And sometimes that seeking is kind of an uncomfortable feeling because inherently it's never really fulfilled. Yeah. And so I think the biggest challenge in that regard has been learning to like hold space for two things at once, which is like this internal almost, I don't want to say it's a void that's trying to be filled, but it is this, there's something in us that propels to keep searching deeper in ourselves or um, farther out into the world for something. Yeah. And letting that be okay. And at the same time, like being able in that process to hold space for gratitude of what's going well now and what is like really fulfilling now. So it's kind of yeah. like the paradox of the seeker, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a scavenger hunt. <laughs> Or life. And, That's so fun. Yeah. And, you know, enjoying the journey more than it's more about the journey yes. than the destination. That's another like cliche, but it, I, I think that's just been maybe the hardest part is keep thinking you're like about to get there to the yes. destination, but you're never really yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What is um kind of the key in like enjoying the journey for you? Like, how do you kind of like pull that joy of out of, out of the journey, as opposed to just waiting for the destination. Well, that's a big reason why I wanted to start traveling was because again, it was sort of this just noticing of like, Mm -hmm. when I travel, my mindset and my energy goes into more of a space of enjoying the journey and the discovery. Um, Sometimes I have to more intentionally like get myself there but um that's why like when I travel I like to I don't necessarily like to have very strict set itineraries because it gets me very much into that 
yeah so for that anxiety language of like trying to reach the destination yes. goal, <laughs> as opposed control, to like yeah. letting myself kind of wander and see what unfolds so yeah I almost think I mean I'm just kind of reflecting on this now as you're asking me but I almost feel like travel for me has been a big way of sort of living that out for myself and yeah teaching myself like this is how we enjoy the journey instead of focus on the destination like this is how we embody that and not just like say it yeah that's awesome so then what kind of uh what are your like tips that you would have for people um who are adapting to changes in life and um or trying to like evolve spiritually or just like up leveling who they are what kind of tips do you have for them um Wow. So many. I I mean, I also (laughs) want to say like you and I were talking about this a little bit before, but like Mm -hmm. collective energy right now has been super intense. And I think a lot of people are going through major change externally, internally, major transformation. And one of the messages I recently did um, some plant medicine ceremonies with ayahuasca in Peru. And one of the messages that kept coming up was basically this permission to let it be uncomfortable to let it feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable especially when you're in like the peak intensity of change and transformation and you have no idea what's coming or where it's leading or what is going on is to just let it be uncomfortable and it's almost it's again very paradoxical because Mm -hmm. like your podcast is called the optimist chronicles and we always want to be happy and optimistic but sometimes in order to do that you have to let yourself sit in the discomfort and be like this sucks and like just acknowledge the truth of what you really feel and that sometimes is a part of being an optimist to me as well is like letting myself say like this sucks this hurts I have no clue what's going on yeah. But again, there's that kind of faith of like, I'm going to trust that it's leading somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had a moment like that the other week where I was just like, or maybe it was like a month ago, but I was just frustrated with stuff with the business. And I was like, why am I even like, <laughs> why am I putting myself through this? And I like sat with, it and I was just like, this really sucks, but there's, I, yeah. there's no going backwards. Like I've, I've hit that mark right. where I can't go backwards knowing what I, what I know about myself and having experienced what I've experienced. Like I I could never go back to a corporate job at this point. It was like, I just, I couldn't do it. Um, so I think, yeah, that's definitely like a thing that everyone, including myself just struggles with. It's just sitting in the, like, this sucks. <laughs> and like, let it suck and like, let that be okay. Yeah. Um, well, another thing I was going to say that has been so helpful for me in times of really big change and transformation has been friendship and community of yeah. just like, and it's helpful to have conversations like the, the sucks with people. Like I've had conversations in the past few weeks or like last two months, especially where it feels like it's been very intense um, transformation wise with people where it's just like, again, it's the types of people that soothe my soul are the ones in my life who are not trying to be like, Oh, well, have you tried? this or like have you done this instead or like not trying to fix my problems like the way I used to do for myself but have just been like yeah you're right that does suck I'm sorry like you're feeling that way but like just being able to share with people and um relate to people who may be also going through their own change and transformation has been one of the like 
it's sort of like, well, if we're going to be confused and miserable for a second, at least we get to do it together. And like, yeah, now I'm the other side of it together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and so how did you, how do you get through that? If like, when things really just like suck, how do you connect to your power and your identity when you're just like, this is sucks. And, and then you kind of feel some of those ego fears of, see, I told you, or maybe you should just right. go back to what's safe and comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And the other fear my ego has a lot of times in that position is like, it's going to be this way forever. It yeah. like projects that current state into the future forever. And I get really freaked out as we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing is like letting it be uncomfortable and knowing like this too shall pass. This won't last forever. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there it's interesting because I think I've always been a very independent person and I've mm-hmm. always um, like, connected to my own power fairly easily even Mm -hmm. if I can't access it in those kind of lowest or most intense moments of change and uncertainty yeah um, there's again that thread or like that voice that's like I know this is here and even though I can't feel it as the truth right now I know it will come back yeah but lately I think to sort of balance that out for me has been this aspect of relationships community friendships Mm -hmm. and letting like myself be really vulnerable with people I think Mm -hmm. in the past like especially when I was like in high school and college if I was going through a really intense time of transformation I felt very vulnerable and I felt a lot of shame around that so I would kind of close in on myself and just hold a lot of it in or try and move myself through it and I mean I got through it But what I've learned more recently is that when I allow myself to be vulnerable with people I trust Mm -hmm. and let myself sort of like ask for support, receive support, um, or even just like have conversations, like I was saying that are like, yeah, I'm there too. It sucks. And like release the shame and kind of all of that. That is when I'm able to like get through it. Yeah. So I experimented with downloads and like, as I've been in soul teacher, um, we're we're in week eight this week. And one of the things I did a couple of weeks ago was like, you know what? Like I, one of my focuses is emotions are how our soul is physically experiencing this earth. And so like our emotions are just messages from the soul. I was like, you know what? I want to follow that like little thread. And so I sat down and I, channeled like I was like okay tell me what is each what are what are our souls trying to say with each emotion and one of the coolest revelations that I made was with sadness our soul is actually asking for community so mm-hmm. our soul is it's trying to adapt to change or like grieve a change that if in the physical world and one of the things that it's like but I need community I need support and so when we're sad it's actually best to surround ourselves with people and that vulnerability piece and then when I was connecting with anger, I actually got like anger can come up when there's like a breach of a boundary, but a lot of times it roots from sadness and that, that need of community and support not being met. So then it goes into protective mode and it like pushes away because it doesn't know now, you know, am I going to be supported or is it going to, it makes our soul feel like attacked. Um, and so, so incredible. That's so beautiful. And that all feels so true to me. Just hearing you say that. 
Yeah. And it, it really changed the way that I approach sadness. Cause like, we don't really talk about the basic emotions. They just are what they are. And we have an idea of what it is because we all experience them. And when I heard that about sadness, it even changed the way that I approached my daughter. Cause she gets sad yeah. about like, Oh, I don't want to go to bed. I want to complain. <laughs> and then she, she gets sad about everything. And I'm just kind of like, this is not in my head before I'd be like, this is nothing to get sad about. I was, right. I would, it would drive me crazy. And now I'm just like, would you like a hug? And like, I just give her support. Like she's just asking for right. a connection and it has changed the dynamic of like our house in general of just like when I notice her like sad and yeah. just, yeah. So it's just a very, it was very, very eye opening for me and super cool. And it reminded me of that, like vulnerability piece yeah. is you're letting yourself, you're, you're giving your soul what it's asking for when you're able to be vulnerable with people that you trust. Yeah. That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I like, oh my gosh. I love that, that downloaded message. I was like, that is the coolest yeah. thing. You often talk about how life is full of mirrors. I know you've even brought it up a little bit um, for our inside selves, especially like our shadow selves. What have you learned about yourself from your relationships or like, what are the common mirrors for yourself that you come across in life? Cause a lot of times I think our mirrors can look very similar you know, and, and the type, the type of person that we're connecting with, especially if we ignore, ignore them. Yeah. Um, the biggest one that's been coming up for me lately has been self-trust okay. and it's interesting. Again, it, a lot of my, um, realizations have just come through kind of like, uh, observing different mm -hmm. relationships and what they're mirroring to me. Yeah. But for example, I, um, throughout my life, I have attracted a lot of people like friends, mentors, teachers, family, whatever, Yeah. who as a mirror to me, they reflect back to me this message of here's what you should do. Mm -hmm. And here's the advice. And it again goes back to that, like fixing and controlling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but the underlying message I've started to realize that's been reflected to me is like, you can't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. I know, or someone outside of you knows better for you than you do. Yeah. And so I've, as I've started noticing that I've also started noticing. And as I've sort of grown and transformed, there's a different mirror. There's a different option that's being reflected to me that I can choose to listen to and trust, which is okay. instead of like someone I like, there's two or three of my really close friends who reflect this to me, who are like, kind of what you just said with your daughter of like, I believe you, I trust you. This is how you're feeling. And th it's more like validation and mm -hmm. like, well, what does your gut say about this and more validation and asking instead of being like, well, have you done this? Have you tried this? So yeah. it's been interesting to see just like, again, it's no one's fault of why they're reflecting that to me. It's just my yeah. own internal stories. Um, yeah. So it's been interesting to see how the more my awareness shifts and changes and grows, um, the more conscious I am of what is being reflected back to me through another person and the choice I have to believe that or yeah, go to another level, basically. Yeah. Now, when it comes to like connecting with somebody who's mirroring kind of like a shadow side to yourself, how do you, how has that like come up? Is it, do you normally notice it like in conversation? Like I know for myself, sometimes it's in the actual relationship and then other times it's what I'm observing for other people and what they're mm -hmm. experiencing and what kind of like annoys me 
that they like that they might be doing or choices that they're making. So how does it kind of show up for you? Um, I mean, all of the above. And I guess it's depending on what aspect of us needs attention or healing. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Neville Goddard, who's like a past kind of spiritual teacher and writer, he talks Mm -hmm. about this concept of like, everyone is you pushed out. And so everyone is always reflecting something that you believe about yourself to Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of how I use this concept. A lot of times is understanding that, like, if I'm triggered by a behavior by someone else, um, Mm -hmm. for example, there was this guy I used to work with back in the day who just annoyed the heck out of me because I thought he was very lazy and he like, (laughs) do anything um and I was like such an overachiever and hard worker and it drove me crazy um that was really reflecting to me I mean I didn't know this back then but now in retrospect I can see like there was the inner part of me that like wanted to be able to have permission to be lazy or to rest or to like go slower and take my time with things that I couldn't accept. Like I had rejected it because I thought everything needed to be fast and efficient and busy and productive. Um, And so if I had like realized that at the time I could have worked with that aspect of myself a little bit more, gave myself a little bit permission to not, like shirk all of my responsibilities, Mm -hmm. um, but like work with them really intentionally. So yeah, that's one way that things are reflected to us. I think starting with where you're triggered or annoyed or angry or upset is a good place to start. Someone is mirroring to you the shadow self. How do you move forward in the relationship or, Mm. you know, what is the dynamics that, you know, moving forward essentially? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I'll maybe give an example. Um, okay. Again, there's, I think the first step of it for me is becoming very um, attuned with myself and like, what mm-hmm. is part of what are my shadows um, yeah. Or, yeah. or like my biggest triggers in my shadows. And a lot of that comes from self-discovery, knowing my astrology chart helps yeah. a lot. As well. And again, there's this, one of my biggest shadows is this need to always feel productive and busy and achieving something. And um, I noticed the other day, actually, like last week, I I still am living at home with my mom when I'm not traveling. (laughs) And every day in the morning, for some reason, she asks me this question. She says, do you have a busy day? And I've always just sort of answered her and been like, oh, yeah, or no, or whatever. And I started to realize like, man, that question doesn't feel good to me because it makes me feel like I'm assessing the whole value of my day based on how busy I am. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the lifestyle I'm trying to get away from with my business. Like I don't want yeah. always busy. Yeah. And so I started to realize like, oh, she is reflecting to me this shadow part of me that's still identifying yeah. worthiness with busyness. Yeah. Um, So I told her, she asked me that the other day, she was like, do you have a busy day? And for me, it looked like speaking up, kind of setting a boundary. And I said, I don't really like that question. It makes (laughs) me feel like um, my day isn't going to be a good day or it's not a productive day if I'm not busy. I would rather like determine, I'd rather be asked like, 
is today going to be a good day and like get to make a choice from it or something like that. So for me, changing the reflection Mm -hmm. that for the mirror, she was reflecting to me looked like speaking up, setting a boundary and providing alternative. Yeah. Your travel lifestyle, nomad lifestyle. How do you stay connected to your close relationships or like fight off loneliness? Like that, that's a, a topic that so many people are just like, I don't know how to make friends as an adult. I don't know how to stay connected with my friends from before, especially as like you do change. Um, And like a lot of people are just really lonely all of the time. And it's, it's a big obstacle. I know that people work on in sessions with me all of the time. Yeah. I mean, staying connected, there's all the like little technical things like zoom and Mm -hmm. WhatsApp voice notes and stuff. But for me, the, I mean, it's interesting because when I look at like the depth and intimacy of my friendships mm-hmm. from let's say like 2019 compared to mm-hmm. today, that's the biggest thing. It's been less about staying in touch and more about just like the level of vulnerability mm-hmm. and the depth of our conversations we share when we do get to mm-hmm. be there for each other and um, everything because like I just... I look to like the topics of conversations I used Mm -hmm. to have continuously. Again, not that there's anything wrong with the more kind of surface level conversations, but talk about the things that were happening in our lives, which is great. But now I have like these, and it's really come from like my spiritual community, like the people I've met this work um, either through programs and courses or clients even yeah um, things like that where like now we're not just talking about like oh how was your day but like yeah oh I'm feeling really triggered by this and I think it it, it like really made me feel vulnerable because it, I felt rejected by this person and there's like a whole different level of intimacy so for me it's less about like staying connected constantly and it's more about again I guess identifying those people Mm-hmm. that I feel safe and comfortable with to have that next level of depth and intimacy with. And I think for a lot of people, like you may not have those people in your life yet. And that's yeah. okay. Like I had to really intentionally kind of call them in and then put myself into networks, communities, courses, mm-hmm. situations where there were people who were willing to go there and have those sort of relationships as well. Yeah. So I want to, I want to break down that process for people, because I know like that is the number one question I get on like social media. And it's the number one question I get in therapy and my coaching clients is just like, I'm really lonely. How do you create such good, like deep connections? I know it's even a question I've gotten from my mom when she observes my friendship with my roommate, Sarah. So how can we break this down for people in the sense of like, not only building the connections, but just like, really um going in with intention and putting yourself in those situations is it joining geographical you know communities that kind of thing and I mean I think it is different for everyone so I think again the first key is like awareness to notice Mm -hmm. like how does your energy feel when you're with certain types of people how does it feel with certain dynamics of groups like Mm -hmm. I noticed for me, um, this past July, I did a remote co-working retreat in Canary okay. Island, Spain, and we had about like 20 people. And anytime the 
full group was there and it was like all 20 of us, I could not access that level of like okay. depth and see that I wanted. So that was yeah. good to know for me of just like, this is social time where we yeah. were talking about those surface level things and yeah. a glass of wine or whatever. When we got down into like a group of that say five or six people or two or three people, that's when I felt able to like really share more of myself. I was less self-conscious of like, am I talking too much? Does this person need to talk more? Just because okay. there were more balanced dynamics. Yeah. Um, and then it was again, just kind of noticing how my energy reacted to certain people. And okay. like this person triggers me and makes me tense up and I don't want to share anything around them. This mm-hmm. person, like our conversations are super engaging and I feel mm-hmm. like we can go really deep, really fast of talking about ourselves, our lives, our trauma, our past, yeah. our beliefs. Um, so maybe even like identifying some of those those conversation topics may be different for different people too, of like, what are the things that make you feel really close and bonded with someone that you can connected? Absolutely. And then, so did you set the intentions like before, you know, when you were like, okay, I, for those people who don't feel like they have that deep connected, you know, relationship with anyone, you know, what is, what do you feel should be their first step? Is it intention setting or is it you know, just putting yourself out there and getting to know, oh, I feel this way with this person, or I feel this way with that person. Well, as an energy dominant person, I would say <laughs> no, intention is always like, yes, the, <laughs> just to like get clear, even if it's not like super specific of, I want five best friends who are this, but yeah. just like, I knew, um, I knew from even doing like my coach certification training mm-hmm. that intimacy in my life, again, not just like physical romantic, but just like emotional yeah, intimacy with friends and other people was the lowest thing in all of my like wheel of life area. Like I didn't feel like I had close people okay. to me. Um, I had people that I felt like would be there for me if I needed it, but yeah. I didn't know yeah, how to start that. So setting the intention for deeper, more heart-centered, connected relationships in my life was my first step and what I would suggest. Yeah. Um, and then um, from there, I mean, I don't even know, like the groups that I joined, like Soul Teacher, for example, yeah. or like coach training, I didn't necessarily join with the intention of meeting my spiritual best friends and my soul family. Yeah. I was just kind of following my curiosity and that, um, kind of like purpose energy I was feeling drawn to. And then they kind of just showed up. So it was a combination of like setting the intention and then not even knowing where to go, but following in another, from another area of life, following the breadcrumbs. And then they kind of just flowed in. Yeah. I will say too, like, I have had this message from spirit lately to build my own community, not my own community, but build a community. And it's based off of a lot of these things that I've learned. And it's not, I haven't launched it yet, but it is coming mm-hmm. for anyone listening who's looking for those people. And it's based off of, I really want to put people into small groups mm-hmm. where they get to meet often and like really get to cool. know each other. So groups yeah. of like five people where you can talk about woo-woo, deep things like spirit guides and energy or like yeah. whatever 
dealing with that's more vulnerable and it's more of a space of like conversation and connection than yeah. um, like learning or anything yeah so that's so cool I, I'm putting that up there it's yeah. coming <laughs> that's awesome no I um I know for myself so I've done readings every day the past couple of weeks and the biggest things that I see um because I've been doing so I do the energy chakra readings but a lot of times I've been doing it like in aligned with their business idea or like how to start their business or their career. Just the other day I was reading someone, their job is like about building community and this message of the way that we have like community has changed, has really fallen away from the way it's intended to, where now community is like, we have to change ourselves to adapt to this identity, but community is actually supposed to be something that helps us see ourselves even more and helps to empower us even more. And so like the one person I was reading, I was like, that is what your mission is for your business and for whatever. So, um, but it was really like, I've been getting these like really cool downloads for people of like how the essentially the earth wants to change and how energy just wants to change. Uh, Of course, the way we interact in community has to change because we are changing. The earth is changing um, and we have to do it all together and supporting one another. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited for your community thing. I can't wait to hear more about it. Coming soon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so many people I know are just like really seeking community. That was even me. Like I was like, I have, I do have really close friends, but I would say I didn't really have that like woo woo spiritual side of, of deep connections. And so it's, it's wonderful to see more of that happening. So then what are the keys do you think to accepting once you've like unveiled what your path is, so to speak, um, and what really lights you up? So like how, what do you think are the tips or the keys to accepting what your path looks like when it, especially when it's so different than where you're, where you're at now? Yeah. Um, accepting, I, I think it goes back to that, kind of piece about self self love we were mm-hmm. talking about where it's like really accepting all parts of you and okay. i mean is even <clears throat> when you find your path and your purpose like i feel like you know me making my transition from corporate america to mm-hmm. running my own spiritual business that is like very much my path my purpose and yet it is still constantly evolving and changing yeah. with me as well and so it's kind of, it almost feels like this combination of these two messages we've talked about previously in this episode yeah. is the self-love, self-acceptance piece with the like enjoying the journey piece. Because yeah. I think a lot of us make self-love and self-acceptance conditional on when we yeah. get to a certain yeah, place, place. Yeah. when we get to a certain level of happiness or a certain level of um, understanding of our path. Yeah. But the thing is, our path is never like 100% understood. We are never 100% understanding of ourselves because yeah. there's just always more to discover. Yeah. And so self-love piece is like, can you love yourself in that space of only understanding 50% of what your path is right now? Or can yeah. you love yourself in that place of only having 75% of the happiness you feel is available to you. You know, there's more and you're always going to reach for it, but can you love yourself and accept yourself with where you are on that journey right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) And that's like a big thing that people, you know, struggle with. It's just like accepting where they're at. Cause we've been so conditioned that like, if your life doesn't look like exactly, you know, like this, 
you can't be happy. There's no way that you could, how could one be happy in that scenario? Um, I think it's really hard to like hold space for a simultaneous desire and contentment at the same time to like have a desire for something deeper or greater or more, but still be content with where you are now. It's, it's again, a paradox and it's tricky to do, but that's the only way to really be an optimist and live, I think. Yeah. And so the, the next question is like, and you talked about this a little bit earlier, which is how like things in this past summer had slowed down a little bit with your business, but have you, what are some of the ways that you feel like for those of, of us out there who want to start our own business, have a business, um, where you should like look for your shadow self within your business. Um, cause I know a lot of people have, and I, and I've noticed to myself, like how my business has mirrored back to me some really big, um, you know, insecurities and shadow sides that I just wasn't aware of because of the dynamic of like, I didn't have to face those in, in the work in the corporate world type of thing. Right. I mean, this is again, one area where astrology has been very illuminating to me because nice. okay. uh, it almost feels like having a cheat sheet to knowing Mm-hmm. a lot of my shadow tendencies um yeah. ahead of time although okay. I will say even knowing them I still fall into them a yeah. lot so for example like in my astrology chart one place I look to to tell about like shadow tendencies a lot is the south node um okay. which looks like an upside down horseshoe okay in the chart um or it looks like the horseshoe I guess the North Node's upside down. Anyways, it tells a lot about our karmic history and past mm-hmm. lives, and kind of our soul's tendency. So there's a lot of strength and power in there, but there's also yeah. this sort of like setting of default that mm-hmm. we tend to go to of like over-reliance on that energy yeah. of the sign of that it's in. So my South Node is in the 10th house, which is the house of career, productivity, achievement, okay. all of that. So I know that like, that's one of my biggest shadow areas in life and especially in business because it's related to area. So I know that like one of my shadow tendencies is when things feel stuck or feel hard um, or feel uncertain, I tend to kind of like you were talking about with the overachiever anxiety language. Yeah, I tend to want to like make that all go away by achieving and by being productive and being busy. Um, so this past summer when things were slowing down, I noticed that like my gut instinct kind of protective instinct was to want to go towards those things of being productive, being busy, kind of distracting myself from the discomfort. Um, this time I didn't let myself do it. And I leaned more into trust and kind of flow. Um, I think for people, even if you're not into astrology, just like noticing your your habits mm-hmm. and like the habits of your mind the habits of your energy um that's a really good place to start looking for those shadow tendencies in your business okay. or in life because those are habitual they're kind of more yeah. unconscious yeah and so so something a question that came up as you're describing this is what do you what advice do you have for people who you know maybe they go and they look up their south node or um or they look up something to kind of one of these tools that are out there like human design whatever um and it tells them these things 
and it creates like a fear. You know, I know for myself, when I found out my human design, which is a six, two, which essentially they're the, the way that when I first read it was like, your first 30 years is going to be really hard, no matter what, there's no way of escaping it. And I was like, Oh, at the time I was 24. And I was like six, four years of hardship. It was like, I felt so out of control. I was so angry. I was like, I don't even want, like, I'm human design isn't for me. And it was also because of the, the space I was in. Um, but I know for, for people and including myself, like sometimes we, we read these things and it kind of almost makes us panic and feel like, well, our life is just, you know, I'm just destined for things to be hard or like things talking themselves out of their dreams, like using it as that. So what tips do you have to fight and combat that? Yeah, I definitely know that feeling. And I mean, I can't speak to that in human design, but I will say in astrology, there are a lot of similar things that almost carry a stigma with them. Like that's say like Saturn return, for example, the transit that happens when you're about 28 to 30. And again, when you're like 58 to 60 Mm -hmm. Um, and Saturn is known to be a really tough teacher. So your Saturn (laughs) return is usually known, like a lot of people um, give it a bad rap and are like, it's the toughest time of your life. It's not fun and blah, blah, blah. And in a lot of ways, like some of that's true, but the way I teach astrology and the way I would look at it is every planet and every sign has a shadow and a light side. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much like Saturn is bad or negative. And so your Saturn return is going to suck. It's more about like everything exists on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And when we have more awareness about something, we can more easily and in a more empowered way choose to lean into the light side so in its highest light Saturn is a teacher um in one of my astrology courses I liken all of the planetary energy to characters and I give Saturn for me it shows up as the energy of like Professor McGonagall and Harry Potter where she's (laughs) like yeah and she's gonna make you do your work but yeah. she's on your side. Like, yeah, day, like Harry absolutely. Potter she's got your back. She's- <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she's yeah. doing it to sort of like bring you into your potential. So yeah. with everything, there's, it, it all comes down to perspective, I think, and awareness of yeah. like choosing to, to learn more about yourself and see those tendencies. Like if you look up your South node, doesn't mean you're destined and doomed to like, have trouble in that area of your life or with that energy yeah. forever but it yeah. does mean that, like now you have more awareness of it you can notice more easily when it comes up and make a different yeah. choice so then my last question is just what are some tips in general that you have for people who just want to feel like more themselves connect to joy a little bit more um you know, as they're maybe they're hankering down in that like Saturn return area where there's like they feel like life is just really hard and this like spiritually, but also just from your own journey, what are, what are some, some tips that you have? I think my biggest tip, and this is coming to, from like the middle of one of my intense periods of growth Mm -hmm. and transformation is sort of like, um, I was mentioning earlier, being able to hold two things as true at once. So like acknowledge that it's hard and it sucks or that Um, you're in a period of growth or confusion or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And at the same time, is there like any small thing, any small space where you can find and access pleasure? Um, 
I've been reading this book that's all about trauma and the body called Call of the Wild. And this is a practice she talks about in this book that is basically like, can you tune into the sensation of pleasure in some way, in some small way and what exists already? So if it's like you sitting there, is it just like the warmth of my slippers on my feet? And then can you kind of spread that feeling to the rest of your body? Um, But I think for me, my tip would be to like acknowledge your feelings and like acknowledge what sucks if it sucks. Mm -hmm. And in the other hand, be able to like acknowledge something that brings joy, that brings pleasure, that feels good and focus more of your energy on that. Not for the sake of bypassing, but for the sake of that, like holding two things is true at once. Yeah. Yeah. And that what came up for me is like, it reminded me of the tip that you gave me when we first like were working on coaching and like my money mindset was like using characters and even like, um, so when you used professor uh, McGonagall, I was like, I love your use of characters as a way to like connect with the emotions without like it feeling too intense and like trying to strategize our own life. So, um, and how, when did you, how, how did you kind of come up with that and how would you, would, would you use that in maybe this process? Yeah. Um, I remember doing that with you and, um, I think I tend to just try and make meaning out of everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like I can get lost in my head doing that, Yeah. but easier for me to like have a conversation with someone in my head. So kind of, um, personalizing or humanizing energies makes Mm -hmm. it easier for me to relate to them I think part of where I got this inspiration from was if you've ever read that book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert okay she talks a little bit about like inspiration and creativity as being like an energy and being a being and I think working in energy has probably helped me do this as well yeah but um, I think like you said adding characters or like making characters out of your emotions or whatever you're going through can help if you're feeling a lot of uncertainty Mm -hmm. um maybe sort of like personifying it a bit and like what that energy of your uncertainty what would it look like what would it what would its mannerisms be like maybe biting its nails a lot looking around and shifting its glance and then how would you engage that part of you in a conversation yeah yeah absolutely and well even um you know, I, I learned this after that conversation, but there was all this research done at the University of Michigan about how using visualization and storytelling for your own experiences and using third person actually is much more therapeutic and much more healing than just like using first person of like, I experienced this, I experienced that because it allows us to connect to the emotions, like reading a book without it being like, without it re-traumatizing us or without it, like being overwhelming for our egos. It's almost like a backdoor way into our stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I was like, Oh, that reminds me of kind of like essentially what you did. And for those listening, um, we were talking about money mindset and she was like, well, how do you feel about money right now? And then she asked me what character and I chose Mr. Darcy um, for Pride and Prejudice. And then how do you want to feel about money and what character? And I chose what character does that relate to? And I chose Kristoff from Frozen. Um, And so that really helped me to even like when I talk to money, but also when I'm like 
am I feeling like I'm having a relationship with Mr. Darcy right now or like Kristoff? And how do I, how can I change my behaviors to connect with Kristoff instead of Mr. Darcy? Yeah. Um, I, when I first did that with myself, um, I like asked myself if I were to basically give the energy of money a character in my mind, what would it be? And the first one that popped into my head was Donald Trump. And that was problematic for me because I don't like Donald Trump. And so the (laughs) fact that I was relating to money as this character that I don't like meant there were issues with me and money. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's very illuminating to see like how you would characterize different energies or aspects and then how you relate to those characters, how you want to change that relationship moving forward. Yeah. I even um, did that with my business um, where I was just kind of, I was like, I'm having trouble with this and this and this. And I was talking through this with somebody and, um, and I was like, but I don't. And they were like, well, having a business is kind of like dating. And I was like, no, it is not. <laughs> it's like, it's nothing like that. And they were like, well, how do you feel about dating? And I was like, I have loved dating. Like I have never really had an issue with dating. Like I always find it very fun. I like flirting I like, you know, going out and getting dressed up. And they're like, that's how you have to be with your, with your mm. business. And so like, it's kind of, the, I was like, this reminds me of what I did with Chelsea, where I'm like yeah. taking the energy of how I feel in one way and applying it and just like mirroring it. Um, and it did yeah. help like how I was showing up. I was, they were like, flirt with your audience. And I was like, that feels weird, but sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's so funny. Um, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to say or share? Um, oh my gosh. I don't think so. This has been such a fun conversation. You've asked such engaging uh, questions. Thank Thank you. Thank you Um, for sharing. Just for having me on your podcast and Yeah, I've loved every part of this conversation. This has been so fun. I've I've loved it. I love, I mean, I love asking deep questions. I'm similar to you in that way where I like having these deeper level things. So thank you so much for coming on. And um it's it's been a a fun experience for me because this will be the first podcast where I like openly talk about my spiritual woo-woo side. Like I I talk very like vaguely about it and passing for some of the topics, but like this is the first one where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing readings and I'm this, this, this. So that'll be fun. I'm honored (laughs) that I get to be a part of that kind of like coming out of the spiritual closet for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of the lessons that the wonderful Chelsea Jewel has brought to us specifically around adapting to change and accepting who we are, especially when what feels the most aligned to us means that we're changing some dynamics, whether that's in relationships or our environment or what we're doing. Every transition does feel challenging. It's a part of having a human experience and just living in general or needing some type of one-on-one support during this process always feel free to check out the offerings that i have um, on my website you can access the website in my show notes if you are looking more to connect with chelsea and work with her her website and information will also be in the show notes so be sure to go and check those things out follow us both on instagram And um, we would just love to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, as always, please like and subscribe or rate this podcast. Every little bit and every little feedback helps.
Have a great day and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.